Welcome to the Memorial Sermon Podcast. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your walk with God and drive you closer to Jesus. For more information about our church, visit mbcmetairie.org. Now, here's this week's message. All right, I want you to grab your Bible this morning. We're going to be in 1 Chronicles. That's in the Old Testament. 1 Chronicles chapter 16. And we're going to start in verse 7 here in just a minute. 1 Chronicles chapter 7, or chapter 16. We're going to be in verse 7. If you're joining with us online, I want you to grab your Bible along with us or your device, your tablet. We're going to be in this together. And we're going to be talking about today about living a life of thanksgiving. Not just having a moment of thanksgiving, but living a life of thanksgiving. I was reading an article this week by historian and writer Sarah Pewitt, who said that nearly all of what historians have learned about that first thanksgiving, you can kind of see a picture of what that could have looked like up here on the screen, of what that, the first thanksgiving, it actually came from a single eyewitness report. Did you know that? One eyewitness report, a letter that was written in December of 1621, and his name was Edward Winslow. And he was one of the 100 people that came across the Atlantic from England aboard the Mayflower in the year 1620 and founded the Plymouth Colony in Massachusetts. Now, some of you may know that uh, William Bradford was the governor during that time, during that tough time. And he was the governor in in 1621. He wrote about the event of what took place in Plymouth Plantation and his history of the colony. But that was more than 20 years after this event had taken place. And so we rely a lot on that letter of 1621 by Edward, Edward Winslow. And basically what happened in 1621 is they got together to celebrate the end of a successful harvest. They were there to celebrate and say, thank you, God, for giving us food to fill our bellies. But even in the midst of that celebration of what God had done, this had, was far from an easy year. There was nothing easy about the past year that they had gone through this. Nevertheless, in that three-day celebration, it included feasting and games, even some military exercises that they had. And there was even a little bit of diplomacy that was taking place between the colonists and the Native, uh, Native Americans that were attending as well. What I mentioned to you earlier, remember a hundred came over, about a hundred came over on the Mayflower, but only just over 50 colonists are believed to have attended that first Thanksgiving. It included 22 men and four married women, including Edward Winslow's wife. And then grab this concept, more than 25 children and teenagers. These were the fortunate ones who had made it through the rough entry into the new world and that had taken out with, I mean, grab this concept, disease and resources. Does that sound familiar? Disease and resources had 
struck the people and nearly half their group had died. Some 78% of the women who arrived on the Mayflower died in that first winter. Hard to believe many of these men had had lost their wives. Now there's a, a bright side of this, and maybe as your um, as ladies, I know many times that, that you uh, have taken some of the tasks to do the Thanksgiving dinner. And so if you're struggling uh, with Thanksgiving dinner, you just tell your husband, listen, remember it was the men that probably prepared the, mo- the majority of this meal. So you get in the kitchen with me and help me out. But it was a tough time. It was a crazy time for the English. That first Thanksgiving was also celebrating the fact that they had survived their first year in England. And here's what I want us to, to, to grab. First year in New England, rather. But what I want us to grab this morning is that, do you realize this was 1620? 1620. That was that hard year going into 1621. Do you realize, even right down to the year, we're talking about 400, exactly 400 years ago that this took place. It's one of the hardest years of their lives. Does that sound familiar? They came looking for religious freedom and a place that they could make a good living. And isn't it crazy how history has a way of repeating itself? Here we are 400 years later and being rocked by disease and economic loss. And I am one of those folks and I have a huge confession to make that I got to be honest with you, I cannot stand. There's something in my spirit that just cringes that when we come to the Thanksgiving season and someone says, Happy Turkey Day. I don't know about you. But it is not. Now, we might eat some good turkey on that day, but it is, it is a holiday that we know is Thanksgiving. And it is about giving thanks to God. It is not about that bird that might be on the table. You know, the, the second Thanksgiving that they had really wasn't that they, that they had was actually in 1623. A lot of people don't know about that second time. The thing is, in 1623, there wasn't a whole lot of feasting there was a lot of fasting. William Bradford brought everybody back together because there had been a huge drought that year. And so even they went into more tough times and they came together to pray. And while a tradition of, you know, a meal and dressing and all that kind of stuff ensues, can I just share from you in my heart? It is not what's on the menu that counts. It's what that is on our hearts that counts. In the hardest year of those pilgrims, of their lives, they celebrated just being alive with thankful hearts. And I think that we can get so caught up in thinking that giving thanks to God is when things have gone well. Have you ever gotten caught up into that trap? Well, I'll give thanks to God when things go well for me. When we've been blessed or maybe overly blessed and we have an abundance, don't get me wrong, we should give thanks when things go well. But even in that first Thanksgiving, it wasn't even a holiday yet. You recognize that. It wasn't even a holiday. It was an expression that said, thank you, God. We've lost so much. 
but thank you for what you have given us. And that's the type of heart that we want to have, not just once a year, but every single day. If you got your notes this morning, This morning, I want you to pull them out because there's an important statement that I just want to land this morning and kind of make before we get into reading this passage in 1 Chronicles. And it goes like this. Thankfulness is so much more than a point in time. Thankfulness is so much more than a point in time. Instead, it is a point of view. It's not just something that we come to once a year and we say, okay, at this point in time, this is when we'll say thank you. This is when we'll go to God. No, 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 no. It is a point of view. It is an attitude that you and I have to say, God, regardless of the things that happen in this life, I am going to have what many have called an attitude of gratitude that in all seasons of life, not just in the highs, but in all seasons of life, Lord Jesus, I am going to be thankful to you. I'm going to let your spirit rise in me and that when the world is crashing down in my life that I can still say I have an amazing Savior who loves me and cares for me and and that he is taking care of me and so that it's not just a point in time. It is a consistent point of view. Bible says, we'll put it up here on the screen, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, look at this. Give thanks in all circumstances. All circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Have you ever asked, God, what's your will for my life? What's your will for my life? Have you ever been confused by God's will for your life? Where do I go from here? God says, you know where you start? By being thankful. By being thankful. Start there, and that'll get you going. And also the Bible teaches us this, out of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We've been talking about heaven. We talked about heaven last week. That is that kingdom, and the kingdom that is, even the kingdom of God that is here on earth amongst us, it is a kingdom that cannot be shaken. What does it say? It says, let us be thankful. By it, we may serve God acceptably with reverence and awe. And so just as those pilgrims celebrated a successful harvest almost exactly 400 years ago, thankfulness in and of itself, I want you to hear this. What they did when they came together, this harvest that they were celebrating, Maybe not a whole lot of turkey, but we know that they had five deer, historians tell us. But man, we know that thankfulness in and of itself yields its own harvest. And that's what we're going to study in the words of David in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verses 7 through 13. And so I want you to uh, turn with me there just to kind of give you the cliff notes of what's going on. David had been through some terribly hard times. Terribly hard times in his life. Shepherd boy who God called to be the king. His predecessor uh, had been uh, King Saul, had not been what God had wanted. He chose The people chose a, a king like, like all the other nations had. And so here David comes behind him. And this is at the 
peak, probably the pinnacle of, of David's kingship, that he had some downfalls um, that we don't have time to go into today. But this is a time where the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the very presence of God, is coming into Jerusalem. It hadn't come into Jerusalem. They had used it on the battlefield. King Saul had kind of used it as a good luck charm on the battlefield. But now David understood what the Ark of the Covenant was, that it represented the presence of God with people. And now it's coming into his city. It's coming into the place where he had set up shop, if you will. And now it's taking place. And, and of all the things, all the dry times in David's life, now this is coming together. And he, he pins this psalm, if you will, in verse 7. And look with me, and it says this, On that day, David decreed for the first time that thanks be given to the Lord by Asaph, and his relatives. If you don't know who Asaph is, that's just David's minister of music, <laughs> to put it lightly. God is minister of music and his relatives said, guys, we're going to write a song. We're going to give thanks. And then in verse eight, look with me. It says, give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Proclaim his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell about his wondrous works. Honor his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Verse 11 says, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wondrous works he has done. His wonders and the judgments he has pronounced. You offspring of Israel, his servant, Jacob's descendants, his chosen one. The song goes on from there, but I just want to take a moment to talk about that harvest that thankfulness yields. And so if you got your notes this morning, we're just going to take just a moment to walk through some of these things. A genuine thanksgiving, the kind that we see in the text here today, a genuine thanksgiving yields a crop. Write this down. They're all going to start with the letter P. Yields a crop, number one, of proclamation yields a crop of proclamation. If you look right here in verse 8, it says, give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Now look at this. Proclaim his deeds among the people. Can I tell you something this morning? When you're truly thankful, you have a tough time holding it in. If you're truly thankful, you have a tough time holding it in. I think sometimes we get in this place where we think that, that thankfulness is only this intimate place of the heart between us and God. And don't get me wrong, certainly it is. When you are thankful, there's this, you know, there's this humbleness, there's a humility that comes upon you, and you are. It is, it is something that is inside. But it is also something else. That, that reality is that a genuine thankfulness tells other people, look what God has done in my life. And this is our human nature. This isn't something that you have to be trained on. Okay, Pastor Dan talked about it. I gotta, you know, I gotta vocalize my, my thanks. No, this is something that is naturally inside of you. I just want to draw your attention to it today. If you've ever gone and you've seen a good movie and you say, you know what? I watched that movie. Man, it was so good. So good. You have trouble holding it in because you enjoyed it. You want to tell other people. 
And you, maybe if you eat at a, at a good restaurant, maybe you've never been to that restaurant before, but this was your first time. Have you ever found yourself looking at people and say, hey, have you ever gone to such and such place? I went there for the very first time. Man, I was surprised. It was good. We are that type of people that, that when something is happening in our life, that naturally it comes out. I've met women who have gotten engaged before. And they're so excited about being engaged, you know, they just kind of, you know, hey, put that finger out. How are you? You just see him there. And how are you today? And I love that. I'm not, I'm not making fun of them. I love that. You want to know why they do that? Because there's something that's taking place on their hand. But no, even beyond that, there's something that's taking place in their heart. And they're excited about it. And they want to vocalize it. They want it to be seen. C.S. Lewis in his Reflections on the Psalms says, says it this way. He says that delight is incomplete until it's expressed. Delight is incomplete until it's expressed. So for us that, man, when we become thankful for God, that we say, you know what? My thankfulness to God is incomplete until I tell somebody. Guys, you got to proclaim it. It's natural to proclaim it. So don't hold it in. This is one of the best ways that you can give a testimony of Jesus in your life. You say, well, I don't know all that there is to know about the Bible. I'm afraid about people asking me questions about my faith. I, what if I don't know the right answer? Who cares? Just tell them how good your God is. It's one of the best ways that you can evangelize. Just simply by sharing. If they have questions, they have questions. But you could say, look, for me in my life, let me tell you about what he's done. Proclaiming it out loud. Of course, the Bible speaks into this, not just C.S. Lewis or other writers, but the Bible speaks into this even in the New Testament. Luke chapter 6, verse 45, when Jesus said, Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So that certainly means that if you got sin in your life and that overflows in your heart, that's going to come out of your mouth. But if you have thankfulness in your heart, it's going to naturally come out. Whatever that is in your heart says the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you're really thankful to God, you've got to tell somebody. And you've got to say, man, here's what God has done in my life. Hopefully that you will say more, uh, even more than that, instead of just simply, hey, would you pass the gravy? God, look what you've done in my life. Tell somebody this Thanksgiving season. Kind of along that vein as well, a genuine Thanksgiving yields a crop of proclamation, but also yields a crop, here you go, of praise. It yields a crop of praise. So proclamation, we see here, proclaim his deeds among the people is what the latter part of verse 8 says, so that we are expressing that to others. But then look in verse 9 and verse 10, it says, sing to him. Who's him? Well, of course, it's talking about God. So you now that our voice doesn't go to other people, our voice goes back to God. It says, sing to him, sing praise to him. That's what we were singing this morning about praising God's name. Tell all about his wondrous works. Honor his holy name. And let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. This is what identifies mature, passionate Christians. That desire to praise God. 
Sometimes we think in our heart that, you know, a mature, passionate Christian is someone who's got it all together and they're all disciplined and they're white-knuckling their way to the Lord. No, 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 no. Mature, passionate Christians are ones that praise God and honor His holy name. And for us, I want us to see that desire to praise God. We're not only called to reflect Christ to the world, like we mentioned earlier, but we're called to reflect Christ back to God. Just like a mirror that we bring glory to God when we reflect who He is back to Him. Let me give you a great example. For whatever reason, God chose to surround me with girls. I am the only boy in my house. I am outnumbered. And I have a beautiful wife. I am so in love with her. I have two beautiful daughters and I am in love with them too. I even have two dogs that are girls. And they're okay. What if I told my wife on our wedding day that she was beautiful, she looked beautiful, and then I never said it again? What if I did that? And then maybe, the, the, you know, there was a conversation that happened later on, and she said, you know, you never, you never say anything about me, you never compliment me. And I, what, if I, what if I look back at her and, and, and said, I told you on our wedding day, wasn't that enough? Every lady in here and every man too say, oh man, you'd be in trouble. Why? I, I, could, I could make the argument she already knows. She already knows she's beautiful. She already knows she's my sweet thing. She already knows that she's the apple of my eye. She already knows. But is that that we, is that something that, that, that we would do? No. It's the same with my daughters. What if, they, what if I told them, yeah, I've already told you. I told you when you were six years old that you were beautiful. No, no, no. That doesn't work. It's the same with God. For us in our relationship with God, that a lot of times we say, well, you know, I'll, I'll just wait till Sunday morning or I'll just wait till this specific time. I'll praise you then. No, no, no. For us to be able to say, God, I praise you and I thank you for who you are. The same way that we would do it to anyone else that we want to reflect that back to God. And, and it's just good. And my wife, she knows that she's beautiful, but the reality is I'm like a mirror in a sense and I reflect that back to her. I'm praising, say, you already know you're beautiful, but man, I would just want you to hear it. It's the same way with us and God that we are like a mirror and we glorify God. God already knows that he, he's all, all things. But when we become that mirror and say, God, your glory is amazing. You are beautiful. I want to thank you for all the great things that you have done. I want to honor your name. We are like a mirror and we reflect to the world like we just talked about. But we also reflect back to God. And let me tell you that God loves it when we just praise him and we become a mirror and reflect his glory back to him that we reflect that thanksgiving back to him. That's what King David was talking about when the Ark of the Covenant was coming into his city. And then in the midst of that, so genuine thanksgiving yields that crop of proclamation and praise, but it also yields pursuit. It yields a pursuit. Look with me in verse 11. In verse 11, 
David kind of gives some instruction. He says, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. That's what we've been talking about this year with Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13, that we're seeking God. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. That seek the Lord, seek his strength. Have you been going through a tough year? You've been going through a tough time? Then seek not your own strength, seek the Lord's strength. Did you know that comes out of a thankful heart? Seeking him comes out of a thankful heart. And then like we've talked about many times, but I just wanna reiterate it one more time. Notice what it says. Seek the Lord in his strength and seek his face always. You know why it says seek his face? You know exactly what I'm about to say. It's because so many times people seek the hand of God rather than the face of God. They come to God when they need something. I see this happen in church world all the time. Pastor Dan, I, I, need, I need some help with, with this and that. Oh man, that's great. Hadn't seen you in a year, but that's great. Well, I, I need this. And then, you know, there's times that we've helped them out. Don't get me wrong, we, we're delighted and do all that. We do it in wisdom. We do it in, you know, that God has called us to. But there's many times they get what they need. The pain is over. We never see him again. That's why this passage says, seek his face, not, not his hand. That's the type of people, we, that's the type of thankful people that we want to be. There is a real pursuit. It's pursuing God for who he is, not just what he can give you, for who he is. Can I just be honest with you? I just, I'll just kind of take a little worldly tone here outside of the spiritual realm do you know what we call that we call that being a player that's what we call that where you get what you want and you move on and if you don't have time for that then neither does God when you and we are a thankful people we seek him out I want y'all to know many of you guys have have been a, a blessing to me when, when you know over this uh, past month and past you know things that we've gone through I, I just I gotta brag on you guys y'all have been such a blessing to your pastor there have been times that you send me text messages and cards or emails and, and I just I can't thank you enough just just for being thankful to me and I can't tell you how much that means to me when you say thank you and, and the, the reality is you you sought me out whether it was text message or card or email or whatever you sought me out do you see it's the same way with God we seek him out we set aside time and and we set aside devotion and we say, God, it, it, I want to seek you out with a thankful heart. He loves that. Our God eats that up. And then there's one final thing that this genuine thank, thanksgiving yields a crop of. And it's pinpointing his faithfulness in your life pinpointing his faithfulness in your life or you might even say remembering his faithfulness in your life as we kind of wrap up I want you to see in verse 12 look at what it says remember you see it the wondrous works he has done his wonders and the judgments he has pronounced and then he's specific to the people 
people of God, you offspring of Israel, his servant, Jacob's descendants, his chosen one. This word right here in verse 12, remember, is the Hebrew word zakar. And it means to recall. It means to be brought back to your mind. You know the reason that when you go to the grocery store, why you bring a grocery list? It's because you are human and you are prone to forget something. I've done it. I got three things and I get nothing that's on my list, but I go through the checkout. We're prone to forget things as humans. It's part of who we are in our brokenness. We're prone even in our spiritual life to forget the work that God has done in our lives previously. And for us that we have to go back, sometimes you gotta go way back. Sometimes you gotta go back to those highlighted moments. I wonder if David went back to the time that he had killed Goliath. Said, God, I remember, oh, I remember you did that in my life. Even when I was running from Saul, do you remember that story where he's running from Saul and he has to act like a crazy man? He has to, he starts drooling. The drool runs down his beard. You remember that story? He's just like drawing on walls in Philistine territory and the king of the Philistines says, this couldn't be the David that killed Goliath. This guy's a crazy man. He had to pretend. Sometimes in the deep trials of life, you gotta go back and go, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for what you did. And thank you for what I'm looking forward to, that moment in heaven. Thank you, God. Let me tell you, there's nothing quite like it. It kind of reminds me of the first time. Did you ever see that movie, Finding Nemo? Did you ever see that movie, Finding Nemo? Disney movie done by Pixar. I, I, I thought the character called Dory, when the first time that I saw I thought that was the most bizarre pick for a writer to put in a movie. What was, her, what was her disability? Her disability was the fact that she had chronic memory loss. And when I saw that movie for the first time, I said, are you kidding me? I mean, she could have had any other issue. She could have had any other problem, any other thing. Chronic memory loss? Are you serious? But then I began to think about that in a spiritual sense. And I realized that's not a bizarre character. That's us. So many times we as believers, we get caught up in the moment, we get impatient, and we have chronic memory loss when it comes to God's work in our lives. And we have to go back. And I think of that moment, even when I watch, you know, that, that movie, Finding Dory, have you ever seen? She's trying to remember, and she's almost having to strain sometimes. Close her eyes, she's trying to strain, she's trying to remember. And then finally, what, what comes out? You know what, it, what it's about to be. P. Sherman, Wallaby Way, Sydney. She has those moments. You and I also have those moments in our life that even if we have to go, okay, God, what have you done? I'm gonna pinpoint it. Ah, you did that. And I remember that of what you've done in my life. A heart of thanksgiving yields a crop of pinpointing God's faithfulness in our lives and we have these moments that we do celebrate like thanksgiving david in fact kind of didn't get in trouble but his wife uh criticized him during this time this is where david was dancing 
And she criticized him for his dancing. He was so excited. He was so thankful. He was so just singing his heart out. And man, all to the glory of God. The pilgrims in 1621, they feasted. They had that moment. They had that moment of feasting and being thankful to God. I hope that this year will be a year where you are thankful. And that it's not just that moment, that it's not just that point in time for you, but it is a consistent attitude, a point of view. Will you be thankful to God consistently this year, regardless of what it might hold?